how are you now? <laughs> how are you on this fine Wednesday evening? Maybe it's Thursday morning. Maybe it's Friday morning. I don't know when you listen to this. I don't. Hello and welcome, though, to episode... Uh, what episode is it? Episode 32? Episode 33, actually, of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and man, I was close. I'm not pissed off. I'm not not pissed off. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm kind of apathetic about that game. Your Montreal Canadiens, uh, they lose 2-1 to one in overtime to the defending Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. Um, man. They probably should have lost that in regulation. Why don't we get into the recap and I'll kind of go through why it is that they probably should have lost in regulation. Then we can talk a little bit about performances and stuff after the fact. Um, This game started out better than I thought it would. Way, way, way better than I thought it would. I mean, first 30 seconds, I noticed that the Habs seemed to have some jump about them. And sure enough, they strike first. Very early in the game, Jake Evans spots Anthony Richard streaking down the middle of the ice, uh, puts a perfect pass tape to tape, and Richard, with speed, man, he just cuts in and he beats Alexander Georgiev on a partial breakaway. I mean, he had a guy on him, but it was basically a breakaway. He is fast. He is very fast. And it's one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens super early in this game. And from there, you know, Colorado kind of was on their ass. Uh, they, they were, you know, for the first two, three minutes, I'd say, the Habs looked like they were about even, like they can compete with this team. But after that, it was, it was kind of the Colorado show. But I will say this. The first period was mostly even in terms of scoring chances. I felt like the Habs had as many good chances as the Avalanche did. It wasn't a bad period, especially when you take, you know, the Habs with injuries and already even without injuries, they're not a playoff team playing against the defending cup champs. To have a period like that, you, you got to take that as a win. You got to take that as an absolute win. Still won nothing at the end of 20. But you can feel the ice starting to tilt a little bit. And in the second period, it just keeps on tilting. The Avalanche are starting to get some A1 chances, but Jake Allen is just on point. He made a few really nice saves, but most of the saves, they were just him being incredibly well positioned, just playing sound technical goaltending. He was square to everything that they threw at him. And they were throwing a lot at him, uh, but he was just, he was all over it. Square to everything. It was, it was a clinic in goaltending positioning from Jake Allen. And there were no penalties in this game. No penalties until a minute and 44 to play in the second period. Arbor Jacki gets caught for a trip, but the Habs kill it off. They got about 15 seconds left to kill at the start of the third period. Uh, but still, they go after 40 minutes of play. They're up on the defending champs, one nothing. You got to feel pretty good about that considering they were shelled in that second period. Um, got to feel pretty good, especially if you're Jake Allen. Uh, we go into the third period, and uh, they kill off the remaining 15 seconds of the jack-eye penalty, but Anthony Richard, he takes a hooking penalty of his own, so they're right back on the kill shortly after having killed off that jack-eye penalty, and immediately it hurts them. Arturi Lekkonen, first game against his old team. 
He finds the puck, well, he gets the puck, rather, in the slot, and he beats Jake Allen, who has been very tough to beat up to that point, and makes it 1-1. Of course, Arturi Lekkinen was going to score against his former team. I hope you put money on it. If you're a betting person, that would have been the most obvious bet ever to put down. You knew it was going to happen. Um, man, man, do I miss Arturi Lekkinen on the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, 1-1, and that was our score at the end of three periods the Avs were pressing for the rest of that frame but they just couldn't get anything else through Jake Allen like the only even the the Lekkonen shot I mean was a shot from the slot on the power play they had other slot shots as well but anything that he could see anything that he wasn't screened on he was square to everything and he was ready for it and he just made it very difficult for them to do anything on the night so we go to overtime overtime Starts out pretty tentatively. We got Kale McCarr out on the ice, of course, for the Avalanche. The Habs go with Caden Gooley, Nick Suzuki, and Cole Caulfield, as they tend to do. And it's kind of, they're feeling each other out, basically. Go for a line change. Um, line change leads to a scoring chance for the Avalanche, but they, it doesn't go. And then Jonathan Drouin hops on the ice, and he goes for a fantastic skate up the right wing, cuts in, almost scores. The puck is sitting in the crease, maybe a foot away from the goal line. And Josh Anderson charges in to try and tap that in, and he doesn't get it. And what happens then? Well, now the Habs have two players that are down low in the offensive zone. It's three-on-three hockey. So what happens when you got two players down near the goal line? Well, it's going to be a two-on-one the other way. And it is. And it's Devon Taves on a two-on-one with Mikko Rantanen against Caden Gooley. Gooley does a very good job staying in the middle, just playing for the pass. Uh, but Rantanen just kind of fakes like he's going to pass it and fires a shot, and it goes five-hole on Jake Allen. Really felt like Allen should have stopped that, but I absolutely cannot lay this at his feet because he made so many saves in that game that that probably should have been goals. So uh, if, if you're blaming Jake Allen because one shot that he probably could stop happened to get through him that's pretty ridiculous uh, because if he was even anywhere near average during that game then it would have been well over before they even got to overtime so you can't blame him and there's your final it's two to one in favor of the defending cup champs against one of the not quite basement dwellers but they're uh, they're on the stairs down to the basement at the very least um, in the Montreal Canadiens. And look, let's go right into it. Your silver lining of the night. How do I not pick Anthony Richard? Um, he, he's a silver lining darling story, man. This is a guy that probably shouldn't be in the position that he's in. And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that like if things were going well for the Habs, he wouldn't be in that position, you know? Take away all the injuries, uh, and he probably doesn't even have an NHL spot. And that's not to say he doesn't deserve it. I mean, he's been crushing it this year with uh, the Rocket de Laval. Absolutely crushing it. He deserved that call-up. Injuries permitted it, and look what he's done. You know, two games, he's looked great in both of them, and now he scores his first NHL goal. This is a guy who, you know, he's had a couple of cups of coffee with the Nashville Predators. That's it. He's seeing more minutes now between these two games than he saw at any point. I think there was a there was a graphic that was put up um, during the last game, and his like the most minutes that he played in an NHL game was one. I think his first game with Nashville, he played like seven minutes, 
And now he's on the Habs where it's kind of, there's a lot of spots that are ostensibly up for grabs. I don't know if Anthony Richard can become an NHL regular or not. I do know one thing. Speed kills. Speed absolutely kills. And he flies out there. What's his ceiling? Right? I would say his ceiling is probably something a la Paul Byron. And we know from experience as Montreal Canadiens fans how valuable Paul Byron once was to this team in a, in a bottom six, middle six role where you can kind of play up in your lineup because of the the speed factor makes you viable at least in a pinch no matter where you want in the lineup. So I submit to you that I think his ceiling is probably something around the Paul Byron area. Maybe he's the next Paul Byron for the Habs, you know? I've seen a lot of people talking about him on Twitter. Like A lot of people tend to bring up the word prospect. He's 26 years old. This is not a prospect. He is what he is. He's not going to get a whole lot better from what he can do right now. But what he can do right now is good for over a point per game in the AHL. So I think he's too good for the AHL. But he might not be good enough for you know top six minutes in the NHL. So again, what do you have? You've kind of got another Paul Byron on your hands. He absolutely flies out there. If they put him in the right situation... I think he could be a legitimate player for the Montreal Canadiens in a bottom six role. Again, very similar to Paul Byron. Capable of playing on your third, your fourth line, uh, contributing a little bit offensively. And that speed means that when you run into scenarios, like, you know, somebody goes down in the middle of a game that plays on one of your top two lines, you can throw him up there. And you know he can skate with them. I'm a little bit concerned about the defensive aspect of his game. But, uh, man... Is he an impressive skater? Very impressive. You gotta love it. Um, you, you you gotta love an underdog story, and I think this is an opportunity for the Habs to find out: is he someone that can contribute again in that bottom six, play up and down your lineup type role, a la Paul Byron? Love it. Very excited to see what he can do. I do also want to uh, make a point of singling out Jonathan Drouin for what he did in overtime. As a close second for silver lining of the night, it's been a very long and arduous journey with Jonathan Drouin. I, I, I don't feel like he ever got a fair shake in Montreal. Obviously, Bergevin traded Mikhail Sergachev to get him, and then Sergachev turns into a star, wins multiple cups in Tampa. So, I mean, you're Drouin, you're a hometown, not necessarily hometown, he's from Saint Agathe which is not actually in Montreal. Most people don't seem to actually realize that. They keep saying he's a Montrealer. No, he's not. He's from saint Agathe. It's not Montreal. It's pretty close, but it's not close enough for you to say it's Montreal. Uh, but I digress. It's difficult when you have all that pressure on your shoulders and you got somebody that was traded for you who ends up developing into a star so as he develops into a star in Tampa the pressure is getting bigger and bigger because it's like oh so we traded for the hometown guy uh, again I've already addressed that he's not really hometown but he's not producing and you have the well-documented leave of absence from the team which went through the duration of their run to the Stanley Cup final and <laughs> You got to feel for him, man. I, I, I just feel like he never got a fair shake. He's capable of doing some fantastic things. And that skate in overtime is one of those fantastic things. Like he almost willed that puck into the net. Um, it's unfortunate. 
The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus that Josh Anderson, number one, wasn't able to actually drive down there and finish off the play. Uh, Number two, that um, Alexander Georgiev made a pretty nice save on the initial shot from the Hawaii. So, you know, if he tries that five times in a row, he might score four times, but Georgiev made the save. So that was the the fifth time right there where puck gets stopped and it's just sitting there in the crease and nobody can grab it. Um, And then it goes the other way and it goes in the net. What are you going to do? It's unfortunate. That whole play is unfortunate. But what he did to get there was fantastic. And another thing that's unfortunate um, is I I don't think he's lasting with the Habs beyond this season. I think they're probably looking to trade him if they can. Um, They might have to retain some salary, but he's on the last year of his deal. I think he's on the last year of his deal anyways. I might want to double-check that before I say it so I'm not talking out of my ass. But, uh, you know... I just don't see how they keep him around after everything that's gone down. You know, it's a tough situation for him. I think he needs a change of scenery. And unfortunately, I still believe in him. Well, I guess that's not unfortunate, but I, what, what, what is unfortunate is I think he's going to end up going somewhere else and he's going to have a couple of really good seasons. I think he's going to string something together um, when he moves somewhere else and he doesn't have to deal with all the pressure in Montreal. Um, it sucks. But I, I felt like he played a really good game, so I felt like he deserved a little bit of shine from me on this podcast because I've always been a big fan of his. Um, played a really good game. He almost ended it. And then finally, uh, Jake Allen. W- what more can you say about Jake Allen? I said it during the recap. He was square to everything. He was tracking the puck like he had a chip in his brain that was a twin of a chip that was placed in the puck and he just his eyes knew exactly where it was going to be at all times that was a fucking clinic from jake allen um man if, if you're a young goaltender and you watch a game like that you got to think this is how i'm gonna this is what i'm gonna model my game after this is exactly how i want to play and if you're another gm of another team in the nhl and you're watching a game like that you got to be thinking what do i need to offer them because i want this on my team there are at least, if I just count off the top of my head right now, there are at least five, six teams that are legitimate playoff contenders this season that could use Jake Allen more than they are currently using their whoever starter. I'm not going to sit here and name all the teams. Maybe we'll do a, a longer absent-minded podcast and talk about possible trade destinations uh, for some of the possible trade candidates that the Habs currently have, um, but there's got to be five, six teams that could easily put Jake Allen as their number one tomorrow. Now, of those those uh, five or six, all you really have to do is you have to find one or two that are willing to take on his salary with the, uh, the remaining term um, so that you don't have to eat anything back and retain anything. I, I, I got to think, I, I know I said this last year and it ended up not happening, but I got to think he's, he's out the door. He deserves a chance to play for a contender. Um, he's playing well enough to interest people who are contenders but that need help at the goaltender position. And 
why not? You you cannot afford as the Montreal Canadiens to forego assets and say, no, we want to keep him around because by the time you're done this rebuild, he's going to be on the, he's already on the wrong side of 30. He's going to be on the very wrong side of 30 by the time you're ready to contend. So you can't just hold on to him with the hopes that maybe he's going to be your guy. There's been rumors recently about the potential availability of Devin Levi out of Buffalo. I don't know. Maybe Buffalo would be interested in having Jake Allen for the remainder of their season. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I am very interested in seeing them stack as many assets as possible. And uh, as fun as it's been watching Jake Allen put on goaltending clinics like that here and there, um, I think they should parlay those goaltending clinics into some assets rather than continue to have them happening in games and you know, dragging you to overtime against the Colorado Avalanche because it's not really helping. It's not really helping. It's helping in that game. It's not helping in the grand scheme of things. But again, I digress. Last thing I want to talk about. Um, if anybody listens to this podcast, you, you'll hear me very often talk about Natural Statric. It's a website that tracks stats. I would encourage everybody to go there and just take a look at the report from that game. If you're interested in some statistical analysis, take a look at the report from that game and tell me what you see. When you go look at the forward lines on ice numbers, the Habs have one fucking line. It's Kirby Doc, Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki. They're fantastic. They had a great game against Colorado. They were far better than any other line on the Habs. They were far better than any line that they faced on Colorado. The Habs got their asses handed to them at five on five, specifically against the other three lines. This team needs those assets. That's why I wanted to use the Jake Allen thing to segue into this because we need to stack as many assets as possible so that they don't have to be the only line anymore. It has to stop. You can't live and die on the presence of Doc on that top line because as soon as you take Doc off that line, yeah, whatever line Doc goes to, they tend to do pretty well. From a five-on-five standpoint, they're, they're not bad. They're also not nearly as good as that top line is with Doc on it. So it changes the entire complexion of the team. And then the problem there is that when that line doesn't score, you end up with games like this. That line has to score in order for them to win. They have to score more than once. Sometimes once might be enough. You get a performance like that from Jake Allen. Sure, maybe one one would have changed the tide in that game anyways because you got the goal from Richard and then if... You know, Cole Caulfield chipped in one more at even strength. Maybe we're not even going to overtime at that point. But typically speaking, you need them to score at least once, probably two, three times in order to win a game. That's not ideal. It's far from ideal. They have to stack assets so that they can get to the point where they have a lineup that is capable of of scoring all over the place, right? You need scoring up and down your lineup. I'm not talking about fourth liners scoring 30 goals a year, but you need some contribution outside of those three. It can't just be them against another team. Start looking at trades, Kent. We've been waiting. We've all been kind of holding our breaths to see when is Kent Hughes going to make his next move. It's got to be soon, I think. I know there's a roster freeze, um, so it's not going to be until at least after Christmas, but I'm talking about it now. Uh, because I don't think waiting until the deadline is necessarily the smartest idea. I think the best thing to do is start contacting some of those bubble teams. You know, teams that are 
not necessarily outside of the playoff picture, but that are like precariously in it, you know, and address maybe some of the problems that they have in their lineup. Take a look at what they might need in order to potentially push them over the edge, right? Who out there could use maybe a Josh Anderson to get them over that hump and get them into the playoffs? Who out there could use a Jake Allen and net to get them over that hump? And so on and so forth. Go through your entire list of people that are on the trade block and see who would I move and where in the league could I move them to that would make them attractive for the teams that might be suitors for their services. I'm going to cut it off there. That's about all I have to say. I miss you, Arturi. I wish you would come back to Montreal. We are running what? We're running over 20 minutes. C'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I am on Twitter at DrinkMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.